welcome. This is All Things Terror. I'm Emily. And I'm Jennifer. And this is a podcast where we bring you uh, spooky stories from science, history, and throughout the space-time continuum uh, that will keep you up at night. I still can't get the intro. Perfect. You just gotta write it down. Commit to it. you know, I, I'm i just leaning into it. We talked about how this is all chaos, and I'm just, I'm reflecting, I'm truth in advertising. <laughs> you see, you, you get what we promise, which isn't much. Oh, right. And I, it's not you get what you pay for, because you didn't pay for this. <laughs> uh, but you could, you could give us like a dollar, just mail us a dollar. Yeah, well, anyway, we'll take um, a dollar. We'll take a dollar. So, Jennifer, this is a special new beginning because we usually start uh, our new seasons on Halloween, and it's, you know, autumnal and spooky and all that jazz, but this is going to come out on New Year's, presumably, um, and it's really easy to forget in New Year's that uh, it's actually the middle of winter. It's not really the end. Uh, we tend to think of snow and bundling up as like Christmas activities but January and February are still going to bring more cold and darkness and even for me where I live in Colorado we've had a really mild winter there's not a lot of snow 60 degree days but January can slam that hammer down so and I'm not just like randomly waxing on about weather (laughs) oh you finally become an old lady (laughs) (laughs) I finally (laughs) You've the done it. The transformation is complete. <laughs> yes. I never leave the house. I drive my car like three miles a week. I have cats. I have knitting. I never need to be young again. Um, no, this is all a long, confusing, slightly boring lead up to my terrifying tale today, which is what happens when you get caught in one of those terrible winter storms well that's appropriate and exciting Mm -hmm. yeah so the first thing i want to talk about uh, is of course what happens to your body because we are always almost so fascinated by that kind of meat prison activity um so people's body temperature is usually 98.6 degrees uh famously uh unless you're a boy band and then it's just 98 degrees but um (laughs) (laughs) you guys missed that didn't you (laughs) so there is like a little variation of course um but from 98 degrees you hit hypothermia at only 95 degrees fahrenheit um and if you are a heathen who uses celsius that's 37 to 35 degrees so you really don't have a lot of leeway and it really doesn't even have to be that cold um for you to start experiencing these things. So if you're wet, like from swimming or sweating a lot, you can hit hypothermia when the temperature is like around 50 degrees uh, or 10 degrees Celsius, which isn't even that cold. Like if I was running, I would run in like shorts and a t-shirt in 50 degrees and be totally fine. I wouldn't even feel cold. Right. Uh, and my dad growing up, we were, I don't know, I would, I'll ask you this question. Were you guys like obsessed with like frostbite and hypothermia growing up as kids? (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh my God. I feel like when I was writing this, I was like, I feel like everyone that I grew up with like talked about this all the time and was like hyper aware of hypothermia and frostbite and freezing to death. Like it was a real danger that children were educated about. I don't like this doesn't make sense. Um, but anyway, yeah, my dad would always say like, if you're ever outdoors and it's cold or even if it isn't cold, he would always be like, get out of wet clothes ASAP. Like we were never allowed to like sit around in our wet clothes or even our bathing suits. Our parents, we had these like, uh, like paving rocks in our backyard and they would get really warm they would just be like, go lay down on the hot rocks to dry <laughs> go your be a lizard. Off. <laughs> yeah, which honestly was the best. It really was awesome. But yeah, no, we were like, get out of wet clothes, never stay in wet clothes, which is solid advice. Um, but so if it's below zero, 
you can hit hypothermia in 10 minutes. Um, and if the air is freezing, this is frostbite can happen. So freezing is 32 degrees Fahrenheit. And basically what happens for frostbite is when you get cold, like even a little bit, your body is going to direct blood flow away from your extremities because they want to keep your organs safe. And so then what happens, you know, your fingers, for example, are not going to have quite as much uh, blood in them to keep your fingers warm. And if the air is freezing, your tissue will literally start to freeze. And so you'll start to get blisters because it's the molecules bursting, right? Freezer burn. And if you, yeah, exactly. And if you ever see um, pictures of people who've like climbed Everest, you can see these blisters on like their nose and like their cheeks, like anywhere that's exposed. And this is like, if you just get the little blisters, they'll pop your your body will return to normal so you can get like mild frostbite be okay um but if it's really bad famously um the flesh will turn black and fall off or be dead forever uh which again as children we were obsessed with this idea of your toes like turning black and falling off (laughs) (laughs) uh and this process of of blood leaving your extremities is called vasoconstriction and we're going to come back to this later so remember in your brain um so again you're going from 90 degrees to 95 when your body hits 95 this is also when you get the beginning of other beginning stages of hypothermia you're gonna shiver you're gonna get really weak and um one thing that i learned on this survival show dual survival which is great it's like this hippie guy and this like really redneck military guy and they are put on their own in like different wilderness and they have to like make some food make a shelter and like talk about how you'd survive and it's so great because it's not like bear grills like they're always like this is not good you don't want to be in this situation and like they're always really interested in like you want to save your calories you know you you don't want to like starve to death and you don't want to take chances and you know, here's how we're going to signal for help or here's how we're going to figure this out and here's how we're going to get water. It's delightful. And then they bicker about things. It's wonderful. But anyway, one of the things that the, the hippie guy, who's always barefoot and the other guy gets like so upset, he like fusses at him. He's like, you're going to hurt your feet. Let me just go down there. Um, but he says the beginnings of hypothermia, you have trouble touching your thumb to your fing- your ring finger. So if you try and do that right now, it's really easy, right? You can do it as fast as you think about it. Yeah. I've been doing it since you started saying it. Yeah. So as the next time you're outside and it's just a little bit cold, um, start doing that and your finger, you'll be going like touch and your, your ring finger. I've done this before, like skiing or just when I'm chilly, your finger will like move so slow. That you're like, what is happening? Like you, you're telling it to move, and it's like it's moving through, like weights on it or something. It's so weird. Um, and probably all of us have been in a situation where we start shivering because we're cold. So like, it's like it's scary to say this is the beginning of hypothermia because that sounds so serious. But like that's how close hypothermia is to your body. It's it's really like not good for you to get cold. <laughs> It's always Uh, there, waiting. (laughs) It's always there, waiting, watching. Uh, It's also very bad for your heart um, because at the beginning, it's going to speed up to try and, like, pump that blood around and keep you warm. But then it can continue into arrhythmia, which is always really, really bad. You don't want your heart to be out of rhythm. Um, And your blood pressure can also go up. Again, this is sort of to, like, keep you going it's your body is at first going to sort of work over time um as you keep going as your body keeps trying to like keep things happening um your things like your kidneys will work over time and so people will will report feeling like they have to pee all the time um and then by the late by the late stages of hypothermia uh, you might not be able to control your bladder at all. You just pee on yourself, which is like, I realize this happens, but man, I don't want someone to find my dead body and be like, hey, she peed her pants. <laughs> you would hope that, you know, 
professionals would be mature, but you know, you know, they laugh at somebody. They have to. They have they such have a to. hard job. Yeah. They gotta have that like gallows humor to get you through. You're just like, oh, at least she didn't shit herself. <laughs> <laughs> That's also my mom always used to say like, you need to wear. You can't have ratty underwear. You always have to have nice underwear and clean underwear in your ear. Because what if you get in a car accident and the EMTs have to cut your pants off? You don't want them to see, like, holy gross underwear. But what if you do? I mean... Yeah. When I I lived in New York for a summer and I, uh, whenever I wore a skirt, I would wear my gross underwear because I was like, if anyone's going to peek at my skirt, they're not going to see nice stuff. They're going to get punished. (laughs) This is what you get. Fuck you. Yeah. I just, what is the most boner killing underwear I have? And that's what I wear under dresses. (laughs) I still often do to this day. I think it's a good strategy. Uh, Anyway, so you might pee your pants. Um, Paradoxically, the cold, and this is also like, I'm a skier, and so I can attest to this, but paradoxically, the cold will also make it harder to feel thirsty. And so if you're working hard, like if you're shoveling snow or skiing or, you know, heaving your muscles and breathing really hard, trying to stay warm, um, you won't feel thirsty as fast as if you're like exercising in the heat. And so... You, you can get dehydrated a lot easier. Um, and one article I read, I think it was a BBC one, um, said that they were talking to this expert and he was saying that a lot of times when people come in with issues from the cold, they're also severely dehydrated, which is also not great. I didn't, uh, I didn't know that the cold made it difficult to feel thirsty. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know it until I read it, and then it was, like, one of those things where as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I ski all day, and that's essentially, like, running, and I never, I, like, never feel thirsty. And then, like, I'll go inside for lunch and all of a sudden, like, take a drink of water and be like, oh, my God, I want this entire glass right now. (laughs) Whereas, like, in the summer, I, like, stand up and walk across the room, and I'm like, whew, I need some water. (laughs) Yeah, I guess uh, I've experienced something similar when swimming, like, yeah, not nearly as thirsty, but I, I guess that makes sense that you wouldn't experience thirst when you're cold, but also that just feels like one of those tricks of the desert. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I was thinking about that too, swimming. Yeah, you can be in the water all day, like treading water and kicking around, and then you get out of the pool and you're like, oh my god, I'm like I want water so bad I feel like that swimming always makes me hungry like I can be in the water all day and I'm fine and then as soon as I get out I'm like why am I so starving oh I know yeah and every every time I would like go swimming all day the only thing I want afterwards is like a big fatty disgusting slice of pizza well I think I've told this story on this podcast before about donuts right (laughs) I mean maybe maybe not it's it's been a while (laughs) I'll recap it real fast. So uh, when I was a kid, we took swimming lessons every summer. And um, at the end of the, you know, couple weeks or whatever, they all the kids got to jump off the high dive and the parents could come watch them. Because after you jump off the diving board, you know, you swim to the edge. So the parents get to see their kids swim. And then when you got out of the pool, you got a glazed donut. And that was like the celebration of the end of the swimming lessons. And so because that happened, like, several summers in a row, it's like, Pavlovian, every time I smell chlorine, I just, like, I want a donut. Like, I get out of a pool, and I'm like, donuts sound really good. You've been conditioned. <laughs> They'd be of Skinner, too. Uh, I know. My, uh, <laughs> BF Skinner, me. And I'm really afraid of rabbits. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> going back to the matter at hand, you're welcome, Glint. Uh... So your, your body's at 95, you're hitting the beginnings of hypothermia. At 91 degrees, uh, if your core body temperature hits 91 degrees, uh, you're going to start getting amnesia. And so people will like forget where they are or what they're doing. Um, a, lot of, a lot of sources that I found said that it's like your short-term memory, and then once you warm up, it, you bounce back. But like you'll get really confused and you won't understand, like, why am I here? What's going on? Like, you won't connect with whatever the situation is. 
Um, I like which this. Which is not great. Because this you is like a <laughs> great excuse for like when they have the AC down too much in the summer. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm starting to ex- experience hypo- hyperthermia and I have some amnesia. I'm supposed I don't to be, what am I supposed to be said. doing? What, what is that? Yeah. Thing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, it's also, as you get colder, you get more and more confused. Um, and it's interesting because there was a couple things that I said that like, some of these effects are like sustained. Like, like I said, I'm a skier and like, I might shiver a little bit on the chairlift up, but like, I don't ever get confused. I don't, I don't have all these things. Um, and then you exercise and warm up and it's fine. Um, but it's like, yeah, if you were just sitting on the chairlift for 10 hours and not moving and not getting warmer, then this might happen. So it's, it's kind of weird. Like anyway, but as you get colder, you get confused. Um, and again, after a while, your heart and respiratory rates start to slow. So at first you're going to speed up and then you're going to slow. Um, some sources said that people can hallucinate. Um, and they often hallucinate like lights and sounds, which is something about hallucinating sounds really freaks me out. Yeah. It's almost like having a ghost in your ear. Yeah. Like a visual hallucination just seems okay. Yeah. You see things that aren't there. I don't know, whatever. But the idea of hearing things that aren't there is like a a deeper level of mindfuckery that (laughs) can like, no, I don't like it. Um, when your body hits 82 degrees, um, you, people mostly lose consciousness, uh, and below 70, you will probably die. Um, as, as you kind of get this hallucination and confusion, uh, you get our old friends, which I know I've talked about on our disappeared episodes, paradoxical undressing. Yep. Where as people, yep, as they start to freeze to death, they take their clothes off. And I found an explanation. So remember vasoconstriction, where your body will sort of suck the blood into the organs? Yes. Well, as your body flickers out, you know, if you're not warming up, your systems are not working as well. And so what happens is those muscles can't constrict your blood anymore, and the blood rushes back to your extremities. And so that rush back of warm blood is what makes you feel really hot and like you're burning. That's interesting. It's like, yeah, it's like menopause, but for cold. Yeah. It's also like, I've experienced this for sure. Like, uh, again, like when I'm running, when it's kind of cold out and I'm running in like shorts mostly, or sometimes my feet, um, like I'm running and I don't feel cold, but I know it's like cold to the touch. And then I come inside where it's warm and my legs will get like really hot and itchy. And I think it's the same thing, right? Like. The air is cold, so, you know, the blood constricts away from my skin a little bit. And then it rushes back, and I'm like, ugh. Or, like, your hands, if you don't have gloves, and you come in from outside, and your hands get really, like, I don't know. Does that happen to you? Yeah, like, um, if I had been out in the cold too much and I come inside, it feels like my hands are on fire and made of ice at the same time. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a milder version of this, right? Um Interestingly, uh, I one of my sources, a ranker source, said that terminal burrowing, which um, I know we've talked about before, it's very creepy. It's this idea that as people and animals start to freeze to death, they will just like weirdly try to like burrow under things. And so people have been found like in cabinets and under furniture and like they try to like get into a little hole. Um, but it, it says that often that happens after paradoxical undressing because you'll find people with like who had pants but had pants off and they've they have scrapes all over their knees from undressing and then crawling. Um, and interestingly, another source said that only about a quarter of people will do the paradoxical or the terminal burrowing. So who knows? So it's not it's not incredibly common, but yeah, no. And I think if you think about it, like I think. The paradoxical dressing is going to happen when you're, like, confused and you're probably about to pass out, right? Yeah. And so I would imagine most people probably pass out, and then the people that do the terminal burrowing are probably people that are fighting the passing out in some way. Um, if we're talking about water, I don't like – I'm not a huge – I am a lizard. <laughs> I'm not a big – I'm not a huge water person. Um, 
and cold water is like, yeah. But anyway, uh, it's water is even worse. So one, when you're in cold water, it's going to suck that heat away a lot faster than air. And if you are like, if you fall in water and then you get out when it's cold, so the water will, so like if you're just standing around, I myself standing outside in cool weather, I'm losing heat, right? If I'm wet and standing outside in cool weather, then you start getting like, you're losing heat through evaporation and that happens faster than just normal heat loss. So this brings up, this reminds me of something that made me so angry so long ago and it's just, um, (laughs) I'm going to pull out my nerd card here, so please forgive me everybody, but uh, when Titanic came out, I got so <laughs> I mad. Knew, I knew you were going to talk about uh, Titanic. You so weren't even angry. It. Yes, because, like, you know, it, it had, like, the extended scene with Jack and Rose, but then, like, there were all kinds of people still, like, flailing in the water. Uh, it is most people who did not make it in the life rafts who hit the water died within, like, three seconds of hitting the water because it's so cold mm-hmm. they would have just like went went through hyperthermia as fast as possible. Yeah, I. So um, Titanic is I, bullshit. <laughs> I think, in reality, the people in Titanic who, like, were pulled out of the water and survived were pulled out by the life rafts. And I think I know for a fact that some people were pulled out of the water, put in the life raft, and then they died. But yeah, there was like, I don't think Rose would have made it. No. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, very, very few people survive in cold water. Um, This BBC source said, quote, an average person will survive in water colder than 6 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 42 degrees, or 6 degrees Celsius, 42.8 degrees Fahrenheit. That's not that cold. I mean, 40 or 50 degree weather, or 40 or 50 degree water is like a mountain lake. Um, Anyway, an average person will survive in water colder than 6 degrees Celsius for about 75 minutes. Accounts of people surviving for longer are anecdotal and few. And one of those reasons, which is sort of, I think, what you're talking about with Titanic, is cold shock. And this is actually what, like, kills a lot of people. If they hit cold water really fast, your body will go, holy fucking shit. And the muscles will lock up. And your your first instinct is to go, <gasps> like, take a big breath. And if you're underwater, that's very bad for you. Yes. <laughs> Not ideal. Unless you have gills. No. That's true. Or are Kate Winslet. So the record for the lowest body temperature at which an adult can survive or has survived is 56.7 degrees Fahrenheit. And that's your insides. That's crazy. And also impressive. Yeah. And apparently what they were in water, like cold water. What? And yeah. And the other thing that's weird is that like they were saying that sometimes... If your body slows but doesn't stop, you can remain quote unquote frozen for a long time and and live. Like it doesn't cause brain death like a lot of other stoppings do. And that some people are more prone to cold than others. Um, women are usually better at like surviving cold than men. Um, and like all these different things, but they're like it's really kind of inconsistent. Like it's not good for your body. But some people just get hit more than others. And so some people are lizards and some people are polar bears. <laughs> yeah, but even lizards, I mean, lizards can like essentially freeze and then once they thaw, they just move around. <laughs> it's so weird thinking about like undying yourself. I know. And so thinking of undying, like, that's not the only risk. Again, when I was growing up and we were obsessed with this, like, uh, it was the idea of, like, warm them up slowly. So they were always, like, take off your wet clothes and, like, wrap yourself in a blanket and then go in the car and then turn the heat on. Like, it was very, like, slow, which is, again, a weird lesson that as a child I just imparted. Um, but there is this, so if, if this interests you all, actually everybody should read this. There's this story called Frozen Alive by Peter Stark and it's, it's really famous. Like NPR did an interview with him where they're like, you wrote this 20 years ago and people are still obsessed with it, but it's all based on research, but he writes it as this narrative of someone slowly freezing to death. And it is like your heart pounds so fast. It's so intense. But anyway, 
there's this quote I want to read from that um, quote. In fact, many hypothermia victims die each year in the process of being rescued. In rewarming shock, the constricted capillaries reopen almost all at once, causing a sudden drop in blood pressure. The slightest movement can send a victim's heart muscle into wild spasms of ventricular fibrillation. In 1980, 16 shipwrecked Danish fishermen were hauled to safety after an hour and a half in the frigid North Sea. They then walked across the deck of the rescue ship, stepped below for a hot drink, and dropped dead. All 16 of them. So you really can't win. You got cold shot. I know. You got rewarming shock. You got, I'm gonna lose all my toes. Uh-huh. Is also, isn't that a spooky image? That's like the rhyme of the Ancient Mariner ship where people <laughs> just drop dead. Yes. Oh my god, yes. Oh, I love that poem. We should we should find out if we could just have an episode of us reading that poem. <laughs> I'm I'm down Probably, for that. I mean, it's in public domain. We can we can have oh. a whole episode episode on why the rhyme of the ancient mariner is fucking scary. It is so terrifying and so weird. I remember reading it in a literature class in college and being like, "This is classic literature. This is the trippiest, scariest, weirdest thing." I have ever read. It's amazing. Um, anyway, future episode. Lucky you guys. So, I mean, this is all really terrifying and like we don't want this to happen. And I think a lot of us can be like, well, I don't, you know, I'm not going to go snowshoeing or skiing. You know, I'm not going to go for a cruise and then like and see icebergs. I'm, I'm not going to do these things. So I don't have to worry about it. But that's not true because most of us do something that could put us in this situation every year we drive places <laughs> and <laughs> there are like there's like something like 50 million car accidents in america every year and almost a quarter of those happen due to winter weather which is a lot like you know they're all like don't text a drive they should be like don't ignore winter weather um even if you're not, you know, even if you're being safe, you're not getting a car accident, winter weather has and does strand people on highways all the time. In 2019 in Washington, and actually last year in Colorado where I live, there was this like really crazy heavy storm that descended, like essentially just dropped out of the sky and people were stuck on the highway. Like the highway was shut down and the snow was like over their tires and they just had to sit in their cars for hours. Um, in 2017 in Canada... Uh, people were stuck on the highway overnight for 11 hours. And uh, they had cell phones and they would, like, call 911. And actually, I think uh, when I was looking this up, there was just, like, a lawsuit and these people aren't going to get money. But some of the transcriptions from the people talking to dispatchers is so sad. Like, the dispatcher, at 1020, they say to someone, I cannot tell you to leave your car there and go. I cannot tell you, but you see, if no one's moving, don't stay there. I don't want you to starve to death. At 347, I can't tell you if it'll be a long time, madam, but we are there. One dispatcher says to a woman who is audibly crying in the background, we are starting to clear cars now, okay? At four in the morning, don't worry, miss, we're taking care of you now. There's police and everyone is over there to take you off the highway. You will see somebody soon. Is that terrifying? That's so sad. It's so scary. It's also like... For me, I was like, if you're stranded on the highway, like, couldn't you, like, and you start freaking out, wouldn't you, like, walk to the car in front of you and be like, guys, uh, can we huddle together for warmth or something? I mean, uh, pre-COVID, it'd be safer than sitting in your car alone. Right, I mean. Being cold. Yeah, sitting in a car with other people would keep you warmer. Or if you're Cuddle worried stranger. about starving. Yeah, if you're worried about starving to death, wouldn't you walk forward and be like, can I pay, do you have food? Can I pay you for some M&Ms or something? Yeah. I don't know. Um, and, I mean, I live in Colorado, and, you know, this happened in Canada, other places, Ohio, Pennsylvania. Like, these are places that are very famously associated with winter, right? You, you know that it's going to snow and be icky. But this also happens a lot in California, and uh, it's happened in Kentucky, and even Texas and New Mexico. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I believe that. There's a... I know everybody thinks it's just hot as fuck, which is true on both accounts, but especially in New Mexico, you got the desert, and it's deceptive because it gets cold real fast out of nowhere, and you got different elevations. Yeah, yeah high elevation, it was saying that um, high elevation can actually be a lot worse for freezing to death because... So when you're at a lower elevation, it's easier to breathe and it's easier to exercise. 
And if you're exercising, that's going to keep blood flowing and keep you your core temperature warm, and it's it's going to prevent some of the worst effects. And so at high elevation, it's a lot harder to do that. Like they were saying that like um, mountaineers who are like climbing Everest or climbing you know really high mountains where the atmosphere is like dangerously thin, like you literally can't stay up there very long or you'll just die from lack of oxygen. Um, like when they're climbing Everest, these people who are probably some of the most fit people on earth, like someone who climbed Everest was also an astronaut and he was like going, going to space was easier than climbing Everest. (laughs) But he, like they were saying that when, when they record what they're doing and narrate it, those people can take one step every 10 seconds. Like it takes them 10 seconds to like push their body. Um, so yeah, high elevation is very dangerous. Uh, woot woot, said from living a mile above sea level. Uh, <laughs> in 2011, I'm going to tell you a story of some people who took that a little cavalierly. Um, a family of three, uh, David and Yvonne Higgins and their five-year-old daughter Hannah, were driving from League City, Texas, which is sort of between Houston and Galveston, which is coastal, it's very warm, um, to Angel Fire Ski Resort in New Mexico, which is middle of nowhere. It's kind of east of Taos, uh, so northeast of Santa Fe, like Amarillo and Santa Fe, kind of in between those two, Amarillo, Texas, and then north. It's hard to describe places that are really the middle of nowhere. Um, But so a few hours east of Taos, they hit a storm, which happens, but they're following a plow, and they have snow tires. So they're like, oh, okay, this is tense, but not good. And then... The visibility drops even more, and David, who's driving, says, like, I can't see the yellow line. I can't see the snowplow anymore. I am now going five miles an hour. And this is where I just pause and say, one, snow tires are whatever. But two, if he had snow chains, yep, he could be going 15. You can't go very fast when you have snow chains. I would love to see a video of someone driving at 80 miles an hour in snow chains and see what happens. But don't do that. But snow chains are – that's, like – it's incredible. Anyway, uh, they're like, ice, what ice, you bitch. Um, so it's in this moment that he gets stuck, and it's a bit unclear how. It could just be that, like, the snow was packing and dense. And he tries to do sort of the back and forth to, like, rock yourself out, uh, but he ends up, like, the car ends up rolling, going into a ditch, uh, which to me kind of sounds like he was perhaps not driving so smart, but I don't know. So, for some reason, they just sort of hang out in the ditch for a couple hours. And they're like, well, it's still snowing, but, like, we can hear cars, so we, like, honk our horn, but, like, it's not a big deal. I don't know why that was their attitude, but it was. And so, they're doing that, and then he's trying to open his door, and one time he can't open his door. Uh, And that's not good. Nope. And... And if you pause, why is he trying to open his door? Here is where I say something that, again, I, growing up where people were just obsessed with freezing to death. Uh, if you're ever in your car in a snowstorm, uh, you need to make sure that the exhaust pipe is clear. Otherwise, you will carbon monoxide poison yourself. So what happens in a snowstorm sometimes is the wind or if there's snow blocking the exhaust pipe and your car is on, that exhaust will go straight into your car. And so it's good to have the heat on, but you need to get out periodically and and make sure that the exhaust pipe is clear. And that's what he was doing. Um, So they can't open the door. So he's like, okay, well, whatever. So they keep hanging out for an entire day. It says that they're like playing games on their phones, watching DVDs. They're not worried about it too much. And then after a while, uh, David goes, quote, we weren't sure of it, but we think we were running out of air. That was spooky. And there's like a part where he rolls his like he rolls his window down and it's just solid snow and he's like, Well, I'll just roll it back up. Oh no. Now, here's the thing that is gonna blow your mind. After two whole days like this, he's like, Well, I guess I'll call my brother in Texas. His cell phone worked the whole time. And he calls his brother and he's like, Yeah, I'll take I'll take care of this. Hold- and they send the plows out to find them. Hold on. They st- they volunteer voluntarily stayed in the car for two days when they could have been out in like a couple of hours. Yes. <sighs> yes. This is where I'm just like, no. 
when the rescuers got them, they were under four feet of snow. Jesus. It doesn't say this, but I think what happened is that the plow must have plowed snow on top of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I cannot. So, I mean, man, I don't want to judge these people, but like, if you have cell service, call someone right away. Like, most of the time when this happens, people don't have cell service. I just, I'm so um, baffled. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that I've spent, like, 40 minutes terrifying you about the cold, all of you will try and get out right away. Yeah, most of the time when people are trapped in their cars, and it happens every year, um, they either don't have cell service or they're, like, lost or they missed a turn and they're in a weird place. Um, the same year, so this was in 2011, Earlier that year, there was this college student, Lauren Weinberg, who got stuck, I think, in Arizona. And she, like, she was driving, like, home after the holidays or something like that. And she, like, took a turn and was, like, doing a back road. Like, they found her in a country road, and she didn't have service, and she was stuck there for, like, a couple days. But, like, no, there's no explanation of what she was doing there. Like, she was just kind of tooling around and got stuck. I mean, it happened. Oh, my, puppy is, my puppy is dreaming. Do you think he's dreaming about a uh, hyperthermia right now? Can you hear him? He's well. His eyes are open. Uh, it's creepy. See, he had his eyes open, and he's doing little like he's trying to bark, but he can't quite. He's just like, hop, hop. <laughs> that's cute. Oh, it's cute and weird. It's like he's in some other realm. You having a dream? Like, why the fuck did you wake me up, lady? Another this in 1991. Um, there was a couple, uh, Nada Jean Cheney, who is 68, and Kenneth Cheney, 75, and they were going back from California to Arizona, and they got stuck in the Sierra Nevadas, and they were in their car for two weeks. And I remember this. It was 1981. I was a kid, but I remember this. It was a really big deal. It's not terribly far from where I grew up, and um, they had, like, kept a diary of what was going on, and... I believe Kenneth died, and then Nada Jean was like, okay, I'm going to go for help now. Like, I'm not going to make it. I might as well leave. And she left the car and died. And they, they both died. And then when they were found, they, like, had this record and, like, were writing letters to people and everything. It was really grim. Um, but that's also, like, so California and Nevada, you know, like, where I lived in Nevada was high desert. And so sometimes it gets snowy. And then California can be really nice even in the winter. But those mountain passes in between are, like, notoriously awful mm -hmm. and terrible. Like, the weather can be beautiful on either side, but then you'll get, like, a storm that will dump four feet. And I've had a couple close calls of my own, like, because I went to college in Reno, and I would go to California for, like, weekend trips or concerts when I was in college. And there have been times where I've had to stop and, like, put snow chains on or one time, like... One time I was driving with my friend and the heater broke in her car. And luckily she had like sleeping bags, but we were like seeing our breath in the car. And like, yeah, it, it would be very easy to just get stuck and um, and be in a bad situation. Uh, also around this area, in between where I grew up and where I went to college is Donner Pass. There's a pass named after where the Donner Reed party got famous for, well, everybody knows what they did, um, <laughs> eating each other. Uh, so I want to end with this question of, like, if you are stuck in your car, what should you do? And one, I mean, that exhaust pipe thing is real. If you're in your car, make sure the exhaust pipe is clear. Uh, if you're in your car, don't leave your car. Your car is easier to find than a person, and it's also going to give you some shelter. Like, you're not going to get wet, which we've already gone over is a really bad thing. Uh, you're also probably going to be able to be warm. So, like, turn your car on, turn it off, go back and forth, you know. Um, you're also shielded from the wind, which is important. You're shielded from the wind, yeah. Um, also, try not to wait like those that family did. Like, try to find a way to signal where you are as soon as possible. Uh, again, it's easier to find a car than a person. You should really never leave it. Uh also, one thing that I saw said to do small exercises to stay warm, so like flutter kicks and like move around, because that's going to help your, your body temperature stay up. Uh, do some and, burpees. And Oh my god. <laughs> the image of someone doing burpees in like the backseat of their car is hilarious to me. And then it says you should have a winter 
like survival kit, which of course nobody does, but here's what this person recommends. A good sleeping bag, extra warm clothes, not extra warm, but like extra comma warm clothes, food, water, or a way to melt snow, like a metal container, candles, matches, winter hat, gloves, boots, flashlight, and some sort of signal light. I feel like a flashlight is some sort of signal light, so I don't know why you have that too. But even like leaving a bottle of water to rattle around in your car and some snacks and a coat is good. Uh, and on that note, I conclude my tale. Don't, don't treat winter weather cavalierly and raise your children to be deeply afraid of hypothermia, apparently. Uh, I think there's a second moral here, which is uh, everyone needs car snacks. <laughs> yes, everyone needs car snacks. Or if you're me, purse snacks. <laughs> or purse snacks, but yeah, I, um, I'm pro car snacks. I don't often have snacks in my car because I would just eat them when I'm not hungry and they would defeat the purpose of living in the car because they would just immediately live in my belly. But I do <laughs> always have car napkins, which I guess I could eat if I really wanted to. I mean, there's some fiber in there. Yeah. Uh, there's usually like... There's usually, like, an old bottle of water or Diet Coke or something that would keep me alive if, if it came down to it. Who knows? I'm one of those people that just, like, I try to get rid of the trash, but I also kind of always have random things in my car. Like, for a long time, my yoga mat just lived in my car because I was like, well, I always go places to do yoga, so it doesn't even have a place in the house. Like, that's where I keep it. So, who knows? You could find any kind of interesting thing in there. That's so funny. Uh, probably unsurprising to everybody, but my car is pretty much empty except for, like, my workout equipment in my trunk. And your car snacks. Well, I don't have car snacks, but, uh, you know, I'm gonna start implementing that. Yeah, I think car snacks are the new All Things Terror helmet packed. Uh, everyone who listens to All Things Terror must wear a helmet when you ride a bike and must keep snacks in their car. Yes. And, uh... We're, we're going to make a vow now to do it and not eat them when we're just driving across town and we're bored. And please, please wear a helmet if you bike. I, yeah. I know you look like a dork, but please do it. Well, I don't have to do that anymore because someone stole my bike, so. Rude. <laughs> and on that note, goodbye forever. <laughs> goodbye forever. All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fog. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever. Did you... Jennifer! What? Did you actually clap? Yeah. <laughs> Clint... So, Clint makes us clap on his podcast, and then that helps him align the tracks. Allegedly. In theory. In theory. Speaking of Clint's podcast, Clint started a podcast. It's called Set Podcast is Sun. It's about Star Trek. And uh, I am on it with Clint and another person named Corey, which is pretty fun. And we were, at, we were talking about if you wanted to come and do a crossover. And, and we watch an episode of Star Trek and then we talk about it. I mean, that sounds like fun to me. Yeah. Are you a Star Trek person? Have you watched it? Do you like it? Yes. I've watched a lot of Star Trek. I was secretly hoping that you'd be like, no, I've literally never seen an episode of Star Trek. But you'd come on the podcast anyway. <laughs> oh.
One second. Sorry, I'm getting a call in the middle of this. I need to let them know I'm podcasting. That's okay. I'll just make a note for Clint to edit it out. Sorry. I didn't know if that was... You could hear it. So anyways, uh, it's been a while. It's been so long. I've missed all things terror. I've missed you. I've missed the fans that I like to pretend we have. (laughs) (laughs) Our three fans. Our three fans. uh, Kurt, my dad... Kurt, who is Clinton James's friend, my dad, and um, probably someone you work with. Those are our three friends. <laughs> uh, I did get to see your dad for the first time ever. Oh, yeah. I recently had a Zoom party, and uh, I turned 34. And if anyone is listening is very young and is not yet 30, uh, don't worry. Your 30s are way better. Uh, <laughs> I mean, your body is not. Your body does begin to fall apart in sad ways but other than that it's way better but yeah so it's still (sighs) pandemic times here on the Krampus knot uh slash anniversary of the repeal prohibition um and so I had a zoom birthday party because normally I have a in-person birthday party and uh yeah Jennifer and my dad were both on there they got to finally see one another and speak it was magical I felt like your dad didn't recognize me, but that's fine. No, I don't think he realized. I, I know that a couple times I people joined and I was like, this is who everybody is. But often I also didn't. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. Maybe he's listening right now and being like, what? That was Jennifer all along? <laughs> um, yeah, gosh. So still in the pandemic. Um, I have still been in my 30s much longer than Emily. Much longer. What? Like a year and a half. No. <laughs> what? How much? Wait, how old are you? Or rather, how much older are you than me? Uh, I thought you were only like a year and a half older. I, I'm, oh God, I'm turning 37 in 2021. Oh, well that's, that's two and a half years, I guess. I'm, I wasn't that far off. I, I, I have been getting closer and closer to 40 as you've been complaining to me about turning 30 (laughs) yeah well so do you agree that getting old is better or are you like no stay in your 20s uh no i love my 30s uh best best decade so far Uh, yeah for sure i mean my 20s definitely there was a lot of um mistakes to make and lots of um you know general like struggle and turmoil and making my way in the world but uh uh, my 30s is definitely more like I have less shits to give and mm-hmm. um, I have enough money to like not eat grilled cheese all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think that is exactly like your 20s are, or at least mine were, and I think most people's are a lot of fun, uh, but it's also like a lot of darkness behind the fun because you have no idea what's going on and it's just like lots of anxiety and poverty <laughs> and like a lot of I feel like in your 20s, like, sometimes you'll party or hang out with terrible people, and then, like, after a while, you'll be like, oh, this person sucks. Why am I even talking to you? (laughs) Yeah, and then in your 30s, you're just like, nope, nope, yes, nope, yes, no, to, like, everything. And, yeah, you have less shits to give. Like, if you're in a bad job, you're like, I'm out of here in a week. You're not, like, I'm out of here in a year. It's just, yeah, it is delightful. I mean, I get heartburn a lot more, but... It's a it's a small so. price to pay, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You know, if you're worried about your body decaying, every time your body decays, like, you know, you get a hangover worse or you get a back pain, you also get one less fuck that you give about some external thing. And that is beautiful. That is, a, that is a good price to pay. So for every heartburn, you know, I give less of a shit about what people think of me or what I'm doing and I'm just like yep this is what's happening deal with it and for the many millennials plagued with uh, perfectionism ah fuck that (laughs) done is better than perfect yes this is this is also why the only people that I talk to on a plane that I'm seated next to are middle-aged women they have no shits to give they don't give a fuck and that is awesome it is so cool they also have snacks Uh uh-huh they always have snacks. They always have some crazy story. 
I used to have a t-shirt when I was younger that said, make love, not babies. And inevitably it would be like middle-aged women who, who were like grandmothers who were like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Everybody should do that. And then, you know, maybe have kids or whatever. Don't. And I was like, not the demographic I expected this to be popular with. <laughs> it's why they're the best. Anyway, now that we've tortured Clint. You're welcome, Clint. It's been a while, right? It has been a while. We really had to give him a, a real off-topic zinger uh, to get him back in the all-things-terror spirit. <laughs> he really... Listen, I he has a podcast that podcast is done. It's fun. I'm there. You can hear Clint. But he really... There's three of us, and so we have to be more organized. Otherwise, we like talk over each other all the time. But also, Clint really wants us to be... like He gives us outlines and stuff, which is fine. But it is a very different energy. <laughs> than all things terror where we're just like how can we make this crazier (laughs) so gotta really lean into it and make him thankful for our set podcast to stun non-anarchy you know i mean it's fine you can be type a clint (laughs) there was one time i can't remember what it was where we had to make some decision about like a song or i don't know i don't know something and, like, me and the other guy, Corey, were like, yes. And Clint was like, no. And I was like, okay, this is the moment. Is this a democracy or are you a dictator? And Clint, like, chuckled a little bit. And then he's like, well, the answer is no. We're not doing that. <laughs> Clint has gone mad with power. <laughs> so the moral of the story is, is if you want to listen to a far more organized podcast, um, set podcast to stun, and if mm-hmm. you were happy with the mass chaos that Emily and I bring you, please stay tuned because season five is getting ready to roll out. Okay, I stay quiet because that seems like a perfect theme song moment, and we'll do the intro. 